This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. Yet the more they increased, the more they sinned against me. I believe that that's why in third world countries, the church that has absolutely nothing, they don't even have a sound system. They might not even have a guitar. They might, they gotta have a tambourine though, but there's gotta be something there. But they may not have anything. And yet their hearts are on fire for Jesus. Because that's all they have. What do you do when you're betrayed? Do you forgive them? Maybe if it's the first time, it isn't too hard to. But what about the second time? How about the third, fourth, or fifth? Not as easy anymore, is it? Well, as we continue in Hosea, we see that God asked Hosea not only to marry a prostitute, but after she committed adultery on him multiple times, God asks Hosea to forgive her. Pretty amazing, right? What's even more amazing is how many times we've betrayed God and how he still forgives us. Let's join Pastor David in the book of Hosea, chapter 3, verse 1, for today's study. We are in the book of Hosea in the Old Testament, so I invite you to turn there. And uh, last week we gave a little bit of introduction to Hosea. We got through the first two chapters, so turn there, uh, chapter 11. I had thought that we were going to get chapter 11 last week, but we didn't quite make it. So tonight you guys need to listen a little bit faster because you were a little slow on the listening last week, so we want to uh, probably get a little bit more place. Now it's kind of interesting, when we go to the Word of God, There are times when we read the Word of God, and it's just like a a flood of blessings that come out to us. I mean, it's just like God just pours so many things out to us. Again, just the abundance of uh, who we are in Christ, the blessings that are ours in Christ, the the greatness of His plan and of His purpose for us in Christ. And, And again, it's just really uplifting, and we can walk out, man, we are just so blessed and so encouraged. And then we come to the Minor Prophets. Okay, the minor prophets are a little bit different than that. What I want you to remember as we go through God's instruction and correction and disciplining of his people, you need to remember the reason for that. And we spoke about that last week, that God always does this for one reason. Does anybody remember that one reason? It starts with an R E C O N. Anybody? How about reconciliation? Would that work? Okay. All right. So you got to work with me here, people. Uh, so uh, reconciliation. God brings discipline and correction in all of our lives for reconciliation, to draw us to him. And remember, we talked as we got into Hosea that Hosea, as his message primarily was to the northern kingdom, Israel, and they were far, far away from God. They never had a single good king at all. All of their kings led them, again, into pagan worship, and again, far from the uh, from Jehovah, the God of Israel. And so there was, you could look at Israel and say, there's absolutely no redeeming value in Israel. As a matter of fact, it would probably be very easy for you and I in our culture to look at 
Israel at that point and say, there's nothing worth saving there because they have turned their back totally, completely away from God. They are chasing hard after pagan deities. They're in all kinds of sinful actions and sinful behaviors. Man, they are totally without hope. But that little phrase, but God, but God. And we could probably go around the room and there's probably many of you that could testify, and I was right there. I was right there, totally without hope, but God. And that's what we see here. And see, in chapter 3, again, the Lord instructs Hosea to go and, and get Gomer, who has left him again. Remember, a woman who was given to, to prostitution. She was, she was a harlot, and God told him to go and take her as his wife. So now, in chapter 3, he says, Then the Lord said to me, Go again and love a woman who is loved by a lover and is committing adultery, just like the love of the love of the children of Israel, who look to other gods and love the raisin cakes of the pagans. He tells Hosea, go and love a woman. Go and love a woman who's loved by her lovers. One of the things we need to realize, a couple of things real quick on this. God was probably telling him to do something that was completely against his natural course of things. Just simply because of where she was and in their relation. I think love at that point for Hosea was beyond feeling now it had to be a choice he said you go and love that woman so here's a news flash for all of you in case you haven't heard yet love is a choice love is a choice love is not the ushy gushy feeling okay love is not the butterflies in the stomach love is not all of those things now it can include some of those things and that's always great but if you're waiting that, uh, as, man, as long as I've got, you know, the, the fluttering every time that I hear your voice, if, uh, if every time that I see you, you know, I'm, 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 you know, I just can't, my breath is taken away, there's going to be some times that that's not going to happen, okay? Hasn't happened for me yet with my wife, but I know that for some of you it may happen, okay? Love has to choose between those things. Got to cover. Okay. Love chooses. Love chooses. Love chooses to be obedient to God. And love chooses to continue to be faithful to the promise that you've made before God and these witnesses. That you choose to love, honor, and cherish. You choose to do those things. God tells Hosea, go again, love a woman who's loved by her lovers. She's already committing adultery. And he says, she's just like the children of Israel. And remember, we've spoken about this, that Israel was to God, the people of Israel. And that's the, the combined nations. All 12 tribes really were considered to be the bride of God, uh, his, his bride there. So he sees this northern portion, again, going away, going after these other gods, loving what they're giving, the sweetness of the, the tastiness of these morsels, really, of sin. And I, I've shared with you in the past is that sin is pleasant. Pleasurable. Don't, don't let anybody kid you. Sin is pleasurable. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a temptation. But the thing is, it's only pleasurable for a season. 
Because with that pleasure comes consequences. So here, she is, the nation is going after these other gods because she thinks that she finds pleasure in these other gods. But yet she does not realize, and that's why God is causing Hosea to go and speak to them about these things. There's going to be grave consequences for going after the pleasures of sin. So verse 2, so Hosea says, So I bought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver and one and one half homers of barley. And I said to her, You shall stay with me many days, and you shall not play the harlot, nor shall you have a man. So too will I be toward you. And that's kind of interesting that I bought her for myself. And there's a real uh, discussion as to what that means. He bought her for himself. Was she on an auction block and he bought her as they would during those days as a slave? Or did he purchase her as you would a harlot? And says, I've purchased you for these days. I want you to come now and be mine. Either way it goes, and the way that it's phrased here, it could go either way. The sad thing is he shouldn't have had to. She was his wife before that. And in the same way, we were God's creation. God created us. He formed us. He fashioned us. And yet, because of sin, God had to redeem us back again, didn't he? He had to pay the purchase price for us. Because, and because of our sin, the blood of Christ paid that purchase price to gain us back. Homer, or Hosea went bought Gomer back for himself. No, you stay with me now. And verse 4 says, For the children of Israel shall abide many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred pillar, without ephod or teraphim. Then afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they shall fear the Lord in his goodness in the latter days. As the northern kingdom moved away from the worship of Jehovah God in the temple there in Jerusalem, and they started worshiping these pagan gods. Again, the whole nation came into great disarray. Uh, the, 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 just the confusion, the society itself just continued to, to just fall and go down and down and down. As they moved further away from God geographically, they moved further away from Him spiritually, relationship and beloved as you move away from God and we spoke about this I believe last week as you move away from that covering of God guess what you're suddenly making yourself so vulnerable to the attack of the enemy and that's exactly what happened with Israel as they moved away from Jerusalem and the worship time there in the temple and they moved forward or moved northward uh, away from that again the protective hand of God wasn't there and soon the Assyrians came took them into that captivity spread them scattered them all over the known world at that time and then in verse 5 it says but afterward the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. But when we look historically, that never happened. So is God a liar? No, no. Oh, no. Thank you. God is not a liar. It's yet not to happen. It's not happened yet. God is still working his plan. God still has a plan. What does it say? They shall fear the Lord and his goodness. When? What does your version say? In the latter days, in the last days. 
I believe that there's going to come a time, and I believe personally, taking all of Scripture in the context of it, when the Lord takes the church out of here, when the church is raptured and we go into the presence of our Lord Jesus, that many within Israel, their eyes are going to be opened up to the reality and the truth that Jesus really is and truly the Messiah. And there will be an outpouring. We see it in the Word of God that there will be an outpouring of the heart of Israel for the things of God. Let's move on. Chapter 4, Hosea. Again, God speaking through Hosea to the children of Israel. Hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel. For the Lord brings a charge against the inhabitants of the land. That's like a, that's like a legal term. He, he's bringing an accusation before them. They, again, are, are, are being charged with, with literally with a crime. They're walking away and, and, and going away from the direction and the hope and the promises of God. He says, the Lord brings a charge against the inhabitants of the land. There's no truth or mercy or knowledge of God in the land. By swearing and lying, killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break all restraint. There's no boundaries. With bloodshed upon bloodshed, therefore the land will mourn and everyone who dwells there will waste away with the beast of the field and the birds of the air. Even the fish of the sea will be taken away. It's interesting when we look at this, it says they'll break all restraint. There's no knowledge of God in the land. Absolutely no boundaries within the hearts and the lives of the people. Uh, Outback Steakhouse has a little slogan saying, does anybody remember it? It's uh, uh, no rules, just right. Okay, It's just a little slogan that they have. In other words, you can order your food any way you want it. Nike has a little saying. Does anybody remember what that? Just do it. Just do it. The problem is, is our society is kind of taking uh, almost little slogans like that. And moving away from the knowledge of God as generation presses on into generation. It wasn't but uh, maybe a, a solid generation ago when my parents were young that the vast majority of people within the United States had at least a little bit of knowledge of the Word of God. It would be an, an, an odd thing to come to someone who is not familiar a little bit anyway with the Bible, with the Word of God. Now, you go back a few more generations, it's even more so. But now here, as we move on further and further away from that, we're moving further and further away from the knowledge of God within our culture. And, beloved, it's being shown in a tremendous amount of ways. Swearing, lying, killing, stealing, committing adultery, breaking all restraint with bloodshed upon bloodshed. Does it sound like this evening's news at 5 o'clock? He's not talking, as I shared with you before as we were going into this study in the prophets. The United States isn't Israel, so let's not get confused about that. But the blessings that God has placed on the United States because of the church, because of the faithfulness of the church, we've seen for years and years and years. And now as the church has become less powerful, as the church has backed off of our stand in so many ways, and our nation is growing further and further away from the things of God, I believe that we are seeing the same principles of that happening within the United States. He says in verse 4, 
Now let no man contend or rebuke another, for your people are like those who contend with the priest. Therefore that you shall stumble in the day. The prophet also shall stumble with you in the night, and I will destroy your mother. What in the world is he saying there? For Israel... The priest was to them, when they were doing the right job, okay, their priest was for them, the spokesman to God for the people, and or, yeah, to God for the people, and to the people for God. He was the one who would share with the people, again, the, the word of God, the direction of God. He would keep the people, in essence, in the right direction and keep them going the right way. But now, as the people contended with that, they started moving away from what they knew to be the truth says, now you're going to stumble even in the day. And then it says, and the prophet also shall stumble with you in the night. That means even those who should be the leaders, the, the, the spiritual leaders within the community, they're stumbling. Wow, we see that on almost a continual basis. Churches that are falling apart because spiritual leaders, because uh, church leaders, youth leaders, uh, worship leaders, uh, elders, uh, uh, leadership within the church that, that stumbles into these same things. He says in verse 6, my people are destroyed for what? Lack of knowledge. But we're such an intelligent people. We are ever learning, aren't we? Yet never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. You see, our knowledge has gone so huge and so quickly and, and vastly. I mean, we, we have so much information available to us now. But you know what? As we go in that kind of information, that kind of knowledge, we're going further and further from the knowledge of God. And that's what he's saying. He says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you've rejected knowledge. And that's the knowledge of God that they've rejected. He said, I also will reject you from being priest for me because you have forgotten the law of your God. I also will forget your children. How many times do I hear, and it's not because we're anything special, believe me, but because I hear so many times people say, you know what, I've gone to this church and this church and this church, and it's so hard to find a church that just teaches the Bible. I'm thinking, I can't believe that. Number one, I don't visit a whole lot of churches, so. but when I get those words, I think, so what are they teaching? What are they preaching? What are they, what are they giving to the people to, to feed them? Is it just cotton candy all day long and, and ice cream and with, with whipped cream and, and just make, it's all sweet and tasty but of absolutely no nourishment to the soul? When, when the leadership, with the spiritual leadership of the people of God aren't feeding the people of God, when they're rejecting knowledge, Man, what a mess it brings. It says, I'm also going to reject you from being priest for me. Down in verse 7, he says, the more they increase, the more they send against me. I will change their glory into shame. When I see the more they increase, I, I can't help but think of the, the tremendous amount of blessings that God gives and has given in so many ways. I think of our nation as a whole. I think of the church today, and, and again, I, I paint a broad, with a broad brush here, the church today is more blessed than any time in history, at least in this country, okay? 
in our country, the, the freedoms, the resources, the technology, the abilities. Man, we are so blessed. And yet the more they increased, the more they sinned against me. I believe that that's why in third world countries, that the church that has absolutely nothing, they don't even have a sound system. They might not even have a guitar, Alan. They might, they gotta have a tambourine though, but there's gotta be something there. But they may not have anything. And yet their hearts are on fire for Jesus. Because that's all they have. He says, I'm gonna change their glory into shame. They eat up the sin of my people. They sat their heart on their iniquity. In other words, they focus themselves on doing iniquity, and it shall be like people, like priests, so I will punish them for their ways and reward them for their deeds. Now, that's not a good reward, by the way, in case you haven't caught that. He's going to reward them for their deeds. Their deeds were bad. Their reward is not going to be good, okay? And you also need to know, as I'm speaking this to you, he says, like people, like priests, I've got to throw myself into this mix, too. So it's not like I'm sitting up here and saying, hey, you guys straighten your act. We all need to be careful that, again, our lives are glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ. I've got to be careful as a pastor to make sure that you are fed the word, the whole word of God. The hard spots, the hard spots as well as the, the blessings and the great times of it. He says uh, in verse 10, for they shall eat but not have enough. They'll commit harlotry but not increased, because they have ceased obeying the Lord. Verse 11 says, Harlotry, wine and new wine, enslave the heart. We talked a couple of weeks ago about this idea of mind control. What controls your mind? What controls your mind for you to do the things that you do, to live the way that you live, to have the, the goals in mind that you have, to, to uh, again, to act the way that you act? Is it the Spirit of God, or is it the Spirit of this world? The things of this world that, that draw and distract and pull us away from the truth of God. He says, my people ask counsel from their wooden idols and their staff, informs them. For the spirit of harlotry has caused them to stray. I I wanted to say the spirit of harlotry has caused them to be idiots. They look at a carved thing and they say, speak to me. I I, want to get get the knowledge of of life from, from my wooden staff or from whatever it is. So denying the reality and the truth of an almighty, all powerful God, surely there can't be that we find our knowledge in our little wooden idols. Maybe the wooden idols aren't as they were in that day. Maybe today our wooden idols are in a whole lot of other things of this world, the ways and the cares and the concerns of this world. And suddenly we're trying to find reason and purpose and direction from the things of this world rather than saying, you know what, the things of this world, man, they they pass in in a moment. They're going to be gone in, in just a breath. But the word of the Lord is forever. It's forever. It endures forever. He says He goes on, The spirit of harlotry has caused them to stray. They played the harlot against their God. They offer sacrifices on the mountaintops. They burn incense on the hills, under oaks, poplars, terebinths, because their shade is good. 
Therefore your daughters commit harlotry. Your brides commit harlotry. I think probably when you look at something like that and you think of of it in a natural sense, there could be nothing more devastating than to say, you know what, my daughter has become a prostitute. My, My wife has become a prostitute. And that's in essence what Hosea is declaring. And in reality, that's what has happened. They've sold themselves to the world system away from the one true husband that they have. He says, so I will not punish your daughters when they commit harlotry, nor your brides when they commit harlotry. Why? He says, for the men themselves go apart with harlots and offer sacrifices with a ritual harlot. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Open Word. Pastor David will continue sharing with us from the Minor Prophets next time. What we'll learn is that even though many of these books are quite short, they are full of important prophetic insights. Now we want to encourage you to become a Facebook friend with us. Log on to TheOpenWord.com and follow the link to The Open Word Facebook page. You can also subscribe to The Open Word Podcast at TheOpenWord.com. Or search for The Open Word in the iTunes Store. The Open Word Podcast is always available and completely free. If you're like most people, you probably use a smartphone. Once you subscribe to The Open Word Podcast, you'll always have solid Bible teaching available to you anywhere, anytime. So log on to TheOpenWord.com and subscribe to The Open Word Podcast. Again, to become our Facebook friend and to access the archive of messages, log on to TheOpenWord.com. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next study as Pastor David shares insights from the Minor Prophets. That's next time on The Open Word.